Where does the value lie within Ravens receivers in drafts this season? Who is the Bengals running back not named Joe Mixon to select this year? And what first-round rusher should give you pause before you draft him? Plus, five-time Football Guys League champ and 2021 Pros vs. Joe's drafter Jay Harding hops aboard to tell us why he keeps drafting Brandon Cooks, how he's handling Eagles tight ends this season, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesser. Make our the lesser. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Once again, check out their music at quiethollers.com or anywhere you get music. Greetings, salutations to all the Balkaholics and for LAX tuning in tonight, streaming later, listening around the world. This is indeed the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, and it is presented by MyFFPC.com. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, I don't know if it's flying by. I don't know if it's because we've been drafting for so long already, but do you realize this is the last show that we will do for this program in the month of June? The next time we do this, it'll be July already, man. I can feel the summer heat, Balky. It's shining down on a great football potential uh, July and August. I think the players' hunger to draft this year is a little stronger than I've seen before, and I know personally you and I would uh, join them in that assessment. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You are 100% right. I want to uh, remind you that coming up on tonight's show, we're going to yak about where Darren Waller's ceiling is and how David Montgomery might be even better in 2021. Then five-time Football Guys League winner Jay Harding will hang out to talk about his pros versus Joe strategy, Austin Eckler's ADP, and much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. We've got a good group of great guys in there. Bourbon City Ballers, Dave Gerzak, Wasp Guy, amongst the uh, familiar faces or familiar screen names, I should say, that we see in there. Um, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. Farrell is at J. Farrell Elliott. And the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship is at KFFSC. Remember to check out that website and sign up for the main event at KFFSC.com. You can post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com. Slash HSFF Hour 2. If you want to chime in and talk with us, give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Jay Harding is on Twitter. Jay Harding, tonight's guest, at You Don't Win on D-Day. So if you have any questions for us, 
uh, for Jay. Now is the time to send them in. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all the emails, and the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend Rob. The 2021 Football Guys Players Championship Early Bird Promotion only has five days left here. Five days, and it's $500,000 for first place, $100,000 for second. If you want to get on that early bird promo, register prior to June 30th, draft before July 15th, free $35 FFPC team credit in your account. You can do that up to three times. My math will tell you that that is $105 in free FFPC team credits. Drafts Ooh. underway. Check that out. In fact, we got a midnight draft going on tonight that I'm actually commissioning. I know Hudson Kern-Reeve is in that draft right now. Hopefully that gets off. Let's try to fill it before the end of the program. want to uh, let you know that right now we have nine spots still available. We'll try to get that filled tonight. The inaugural best ball tournament has been launched. $100,000 grand prize in a half-million-dollar prize pool. Once again, only a $125 entry fee on that one. Dynasty startups, you got a bunch of those popping off this weekend as well. And don't forget, best ball drafts are open, including the $5 Cinco de Best Ball options. The checkered flag with the KFFSC is indeed full. However, you can draft in the KFFSC main event. Uh, slow drafts, live drafts uh, in both Cincinnati and Louisville. Carol, when are those slow drafts for the main event popping off with the KFFSC? July 15th will be the first one, and it's uh, gaining a little interest, and hopefully it will have a, an on-time start in July 15th. We, we're very excited for that. Remember, if you want to be a part of that and take your shot at a five-figure grand prize, KFFSC.com is where to go for that. Thanks to Football Guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sports Edge, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Let's kick it off in our nation's capital. John Kime on Twitter, who covers the Washington football team, said that uh, Randy Jordan, the running backs coach for the WFT, said Antonio Gibson's improvement this year is, quote, like night and day. Uh, Ron Rivera also said, you can tell he's matured, got a better feel and understanding those natural instincts that you look for, the intangibles that guys have been playing the positions their whole career naturally have. You start to see those come to light with Antonio. Um, Jordan said last year that Gibson would cut up field when running routes rather than actually understanding the offense and knowing where he must be and when. Now, that wasn't the case this offseason, apparently. Gibson uh, is setting his defenders up in the passing routes. J.D. McKissick last year was a third-down running back for the WFT. He outsnapped Gibson 197-22 to 22 on third downs, but you'd like to think, Farrell, that that is going to be a little bit smaller, the difference between those two. And you would think that uh, Antonio Gibson, when, when you look at where, the, um, where, the, where he's going in, in football guys' drafts right now, and we're going to give a shout-out to FantasyMojo.com, Darren Armani, our good buddy who puts together the pros versus Joe's competition every year and assembles all this great FFPC data. Antonio Gibson right now, looking like a pretty decent bargain, I would say, in drafts, uh, Farrell, although he is climbing. He's now at running back 12. He is going at the 205. I, I, I know we've touched on him before, but there has been so much positive reports coming out of Washington about Antonio Gibson right now. Is, is this just off-season fluff stuff, or is there actually something here where you would be wise to be in business with Antonio Gibson in the sec- middle of the second round? Oh, I would love to be in business with Antonio Gibson in the middle of the second round. And, you know, I love it when we start talking about the position coaches. These are the guys I know and the guys that I came up with in football. And Randy Jordan, of course, he knows what he's talking about. Balky, he started as a Raider way back in the early 90s. And he's, uh, he holds a great distinction for all the Jacksonville Jaguar fans. He was the first Jaguar ever to run the ball for a touchdown back in their uh, back in their expansion season. But about Antonio Gibson, what he's talking about is a player that's had the time 
to season after his rookie year and mature a bit. You know, Antonio had all these accomplishments last year on 170 carries. That's going to increase. The catches are going to increase. We promoted uh, J.D. McKissick as a great ad and a great start through the fantasy season last year because these guys did have a good one-two thing going. And McKissick got a little goal line work. He'll continue to be a good player, uh, a poor man James White, so to speak. But the evolution of Antonio Gibson, his numbers are likely to go way beyond uh, what he did last year. Touchdowns are hard to predict, and he had a big number of them. I think it was 11. But uh, Antonio Gibson is is a player that's ascending, and we haven't seen anything where the ceiling is yet. And um, I just love the idea of it. And, and somebody talked to me the other day about his toe injury, a turf toe injury. And it's a, it's a real pain for any player, especially running back. But he did not have surgery. And the reason he's taking it slow is he's rehabbing slow, which is the best way to handle that situation. So an injury-free year for Antonio Gibson is what I'm looking forward to because I think with that defense, the new quarterback, the talent around him, what a great year. Jamison Hensley covers the Baltimore Ravens for ESPN.com. And he was asked, or he wrote about, the best Ravens receiver in minicamp, and it was an interesting name. Our good buddy, or should I say uh, Kurt Awe, former Kentucky Fantasy Football State champion, uh, his favorite buddy, Sammy Watkins. Now, apparently Sammy Watkins was impressive all throughout minicamp. He caught a, a bunch of contested catches. He burned Marlon Humphrey for a long touchdown. Marlon Humphrey, by the way, a former pro bowler, and uh, said that he was actually showing some pretty good chemistry with Lamar Jackson as well, who obviously will be your starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, some reasons not to necessarily draft Watkins high. The Ravens used a first-round pick on uh, Rashad Bateman. They also already have Hollywood Brown there. Uh, You wouldn't think that there's going to be a whole lot of consistency there, Farrell, and, and I guess I just bring this up. Um, just kind of as a throwaway here, Sammy Watkins is wide receiver 73 in the middle of the 17th round right now. I I don't know how much you'll get out of him. Um, And and given that it is not a set it and forget it format is the FPC. You have to look at it from the standpoint of, are you really going to guess right uh, when he does have those blowout games? Um, I I don't know. I certainly wouldn't criticize anybody for taking him there, but man, I I think I'm going to look elsewhere, even though he had the great mini camp. I don't know, Bucky, it's 17, why? Why look elsewhere? This guy has proven that he can do it. And it shows you just how hungry everyone in Baltimore, including Mr. Hensley, are to see a receiver. A guy shows up and runs well in shorts and minicamp, and, and they think it's, it's the greatest thing they've ever seen. And this team has been woefully challenged to put together wide receivers. Uh, you know, the, we, we have to remember uh, our good friend from Texas, coming uh, from Dallas and coming and playing uh, last year. You know, it, it's a situation where we do expect some type of change in Lamar Jackson's play at the quarterback position. This is the worst passing offense in the league last year. And a 10% incremental improvement could mean a great deal. Now, this offense is only going to support two receivers. Hollywood Brown last year, 58 catches, eight touchdowns. Uh, Andrews, who will, who will do better this year, 58 catches, seven touchdowns. So where does Watkins fit in that? I don't know. But at the 17th round, I'm willing to give him a shot. I don't think I would have him in the lineup against the Raiders in week one. 
But, you know, it sure would be interesting to watch and see how much play he gets in that Monday night kickoff. Yeah, that is going to be a fun game. Uh, Ravens-Raiders Monday night football on we- in week one. We'll get to watch that live out at uh, Planet Hollywood in uh, Las Vegas. Very excited there for the FFPC main uh, live events. Beg your pardon. As uh, I took the last year off, but I'll be out there again this year, as will you, Farrell. Um, now, this is an interesting story that we get here from Adam Johns uh, from The Athletic about David Montgomery. Last year, Tariq Cohen got hurt early, and Montgomery got not only the first and second down work, he got a lot of third down work as well. He finished sixth among running backs last year in catches with 54. He's actually been working with a speed coach to improve his breakaway ability, according to Johns. That's interesting. I, just to get faster, all you have to do is work with the coach, apparently. Now, Tariq Cohen <laughs> is coming back this year. The Bears signed Damian Williams this offseason. Um, David Montgomery obviously was a, was a league winner last year as he went bananas in the fantasy playoffs, but that was against some of the worst rushing defenses in the uh, 2020 season last year. You'd think that um, him having the fourth most carries, 247, and fifth most rushing yardage, uh, just over 1,000 yards in 2020, might be his ceiling. And, you know, this report is great for Montgomery. Maybe, maybe he's going to make some more big plays this season. But, Farrell, the volume just isn't there. Now, he's running back 20 in the Football Guys Players Championship in the mid-fourth round. That's right after Chris Carson, Miles Sanders. It's right before Travis Etienne and right before Mike Davis, who's really shot up um, uh, the ADP there. Uh, David Montgomery, running back 20, 407. Does that seem right to you? I just I, I, I feel like people who draft him there might be let down. I feel like people who drafting there may be making a steal. Balky, I think that the opportunities for touches here are this much and more. Tariq Cohen is largely a slot receiver, and I really think that's where he goes and that's where he lines up in this year. Williams will get his in a supportive role of this player, but I want people to get behind this player. It's interesting. No one ever believes the Bears. No one believes Coach Nagy. No one believes the general manager, and he's having a hard time finding people to believe in him. Nobody believes that Dalton's <laughs> going to play quarterback like I promised. And this, no one believes the Bears, but I believe in this player. You know, and you talked about working with a speed coach. Well, what a speed coach does is he does more than just deals with straight-line speed. We've talked about it earlier about certain players that – Contact balance is a key. Increasing lean muscle mass. All you got to do is look at Dave Gerzak and find a guy increasing muscle mass. You know, <laughs> you're dealing with a player that's looking at stability, uh, endurance. He's he's testing ways to uh, improve his game. This guy's got a lot of mileage already, and he just turned 24 years old. Don't give up on Montgomery. You can see it with your eyes, and you can see him getting better. At least I did every time I watched him. Everyone agrees that the Bears are going to be better than they were last year, no matter who plays quarterback. I think that Montgomery believers, small in number, will be rewarded uh, very impressively uh, with his play this coming season. Very interesting player to watch as we come up on July and August drafts to see if his ADP changes at all, especially after what we start seeing in training camp from Williams, Cohen, so on and so forth. And I'll tell you what, Farrell, I believe in the Bears. I've, I've staked my whole fantasy belief system on Allen Robinson. I continue to believe in him every single year. Every single year I trot him out in my starting lineup. Usually I'm happy. Sometimes I'm not. I believe I'm going to be happy again this year. 
uh, as I already have them in plenty of redraft and dynasty leagues as well. All right, last thing I want to get to before uh, Jay Harding is coming up here. Jay Harding, the five-time football guys champ, who is uh, also going to be drafting in Pro's Joe's. He's in the green room right now. He will be with us shortly. We do have to talk about Farrell's Raiders a little bit more, though. Vic Tafur, oh, who yeah. writes about the Raiders for The Athletic, says Darren Waller, and I'm going to quote this right here, Darren Waller, quote, will surely top last year's 1,196 yards as he continues to get better, end quote, in 2021. Now, Tafur was pointing out to Henry Ruggs uh, being a key to Waller's success in the Vegas offense. Last year, Ruggs was in charge of stretching the field, which he did to a certain degree. Farrell could probably tell you a little bit more of that. But Waller, because all that underneath stuff, 107 catches, 1,196 yards, and nine scores. Waller had two more catches and 220, uh, 220 fewer yards than Travis Kelsey. So, Farrell, you look at Darren Waller right now, nothing but positive praise coming out of uh, Las Vegas about Waller. He is the tight end, too. He has moved into the first round going at the 110 on average. How many spots have you taken uh, Darren Waller and Farrell in, at the uh, end of the late first, early second? Everywhere I can without completely embarrassing myself. You know, I was thinking about taking it at five the other night, and I just couldn't do it. You know, I just, I just did, but, but I wanted to. And Vic Tafur, you know, this guy has nothing but a Pulitzer Prize in front of him. You can understand with clarity like this, the future, it, 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 it's, it's uncompared. It's almost as equal to the bulky future in fantasy football and Wisconsin radio. Vic is on his way. <laughs> and, and, you know, in all honesty, what he's saying has a lot of clarity. Yes, it does rely on what, what not only Henry Rhodes does, but also what John Brown does. Deep threats is what you have to have to take a top off uh, uh, defense and open up the underneath. We talked about that at Jacksonville with LaVishka Chenault last week. But what's interesting here, you look at, at Travis Kelsey, and he's, he, he's obviously the number one tight end choice, and he draws so much attention. A defensive trying to stop, you, you can't really stop Tyreek Hill, so you work on, you work on bothering Kelsey. But a situation that exists with the other elite tight ends in this league, yet to be seen what happens with Hawkinson in Detroit. But Andrews has to work very, very hard. Between he and Kittle, it's a, it's a, a dead heat to what offense asks the most from its tight end. Uh, in the Raiders, they don't ask a lot from Waller. And the largest amount of the time, he's lined up as a slot receiver. And we should have saw this player on the field last year, and I was disappointed. As much as you know I love the old Raiders, and we had Whitten hanging around last year uh, playing for the Raiders, it was time to say goodbye and make room for a tight end named Foster Moreau, who was largely a blocking back in college, but I liked what he did catching the ball, and we could talk later about that. But their one-two punch at tight end, with Moreau doing the, uh, the dirty work, allows Waller to do things that Kittle, even Kelsey, Andrews, and probably Hawkinson don't have to do, thus giving him more opportunities to stack up those receptions. You know, normally I would say with the report coming out from a very accomplished, well-respected beat writer like this, I, I would say, oh my goodness, I wonder how, how far this can pump up the, the, the player he's referring to. But Darren Waller already in the first round. Farrell, he is going off the board before the second receiver on average. That's Stephon Diggs. Um, it, it, it's, I don't know how much higher he can get, but certainly this is anybody who is a Waller fan might be drafting him. Maybe instead of the 110, they're taking him at the 107, 108 going forward. 
all stuff that we will follow right here on the HSFF hour going forward uh, this drafting season. I want to bring in tonight's guest now, ladies and gentlemen. He's been very patient. We're going to bring him on right now. He's begun his seventh season as an FFPC high-stakes player, but he says he still considers himself somewhat new to the competition level. He has turned a profit every year but one and already has five league titles in the Football Guys Players Championship under his belt. We'll talk to him tonight and then follow his 2021 Pros versus Joes draft next month. You already follow him on Twitter at You Don't Win on D-Day. Please welcome Jay Harding onto the HSFFR. Jay, thanks for hanging out with us tonight, man. We really appreciate it. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, what an honor and privilege to be on the show with you guys. All the great the, the, fantasy minds that have come before me the last few years. It uh, doesn't seem real. I'm really honored, so thank you. Well, the, the pleasure thank is you. all on this side of the microphone, my friend. Uh, very excited to have you. Before we get to fantasy football, can you tell us how you're spending your time doing for a living uh, when you are not winning Football Guys Players Championship drafts and being uh, uh, prepping for your pros versus Joe's draft? Yeah, sure. It's a little messy, unfortunately, but uh, for most of the last 28 years, I was in the insurance industry on the sales side, uh, focusing primarily on uh, commercial property and liability. Due to a divorce a few years back, I had to sell my agency, and uh, trust me, starting an agency from scratch is uh, hard work, and when you get old like me, it's even harder, so I said, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. So I've done a few things the last few years. I bought and flipped a house here in Portland. Uh, I almost purchased a classic car uh, parts business. I love classic Chevrolets, all classic cars, but I'm a Chevy guy. Uh, Most recently, I've done some independent contracting for a couple of insurance agencies. So that's what's going on right now. That's a full load, brother. That's that's, that's a hell of a good day's work. What, What kind of Chevy do you have in the garage right now? Well, I just sold a '66 uh, uh, truck about uh, four months ago. I didn't, I didn't want to let it go, but I'm looking for another one, Farrell. Baby, I tell you what, you know, they're all over Kentucky. You come here and you can pick you one out. You know, uh, there's a player I want to talk to you about. He plays like a Ferrari with the durability of a Chevrolet, and I like to draft him everywhere I can get my hands on him. And, uh, by the way, before we get started on that, congratulations to your success. You know, you, you say you're an old-school guy, and, and I am, too. You know, the, uh, Balky invites uh, everyone to follow you on Twitter and social media. You know, oh, I, I need to take a guy like you to lunch if you know how to win. Uh, that's where I would want to pick up on your secrets. But there's a guy I think that will push anyone's team in fantasy football towards a good chance to win as a first-round draft pick. It's just how high do you have to go to get him in that first round? And can you maybe get him, uh, if you're at 10 or 11, may you, can you pick him up in the second round? And that's Austin Eckler. Your thoughts on the uh, Charger running back? Yeah, thanks, Farrell. Uh, I was, uh, when I uh, was prepped with that question, I'm guessing someone saw that a month or so ago I tweeted out, I'm higher on Eckler than you are. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I think his ADP in August is going to be much higher. I think it can climb to 1.4 or 1.5. Wow. Uh, and honestly, that's where I think it should be. I've taken him as high I, I as can understand three. that, but how's he going to get there? What's going to happen to you put him there? Well, um, 
he's got to stay healthy, right? We know that. And uh, he's struggled to do that at times. But you probably know this, Farrell. You're a smart guy, Eric. <laughs> Eckler, Eckler is like Kamara. It's his receiving production that drives his value. And as fate would have it, the Chargers in the offseason brought in longtime Saints assistant Joe Lombardi as their new offensive coordinator. He says he's going to use Eckler like he did Kamara. And look, the Chargers obviously looked to have chosen wisely at QB last year. I think even with a little regression from Herbert, which is expected, I seriously think Eckler's ceiling is RB1 overall. Seriously, I do. I wouldn't say it's likely with CMC in play, but getting him in the late first or early second right now is an absolute steal. And just remember this, all you peeps. It was only a short two seasons ago when he finished RB4 in PPR, right? 92 receptions, 993 yards, and 8 TDs two years ago great numbers i'm looking i'm looking at the adp right now uh jay and and i you know just because farrell said well how does he get there and i could see honestly you know if if you know jonathan taylor slipping behind eckler because of the marlin mack because of the naheem hines the pass catching uh, factor there um we know saquon barkley is going to be eased back in according to the giants that could um, depress his ADP a little bit if we're not seeing him on the field. And, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was a guy who got pushed way down in drafts last year, too. So we can see that again. And if that all happens, well, now all of a sudden he's at 106, if that's the case. And then he's got to, you know, to get to 104, 105, he's got to go ahead of Kamara, who I know some people are, are a little bit wary of drafting after his career year last year. And then, of course, Derrick Henry, who's had all these carries um, over the past, uh, you know, several years, uh, which I could see people taking – a, a guy in Eckler who definitely has less tread on the tires. That is a very interesting thing because Eckler was a guy who wasn't too long ago. He was still going in like the, the, the early to mid second round. Now all of a sudden he's locked into the first round at the end of it at, at the one Oh actually right around Darren Waller. And uh, he's a guy that's been very interesting to follow as we go forward here. Um, you mentioned your, your Twitter feed, Jay, when we all follow you, you don't win on D day there, but you said on there, You've been drafting a lot of Brandon Cooks this year as well. Why have you found yourself with so many teams with the Texans receiver on it? Yeah, uh, Eric, that's a great question. And uh, let me be full disclosure since I'm an insurance guy, right? I want this on the record. I could be wrong on uh, Brandon, but I don't think I am. So hear me out. This might take a few minutes here, but just hear me out. First of all, how many wide receivers – in the history of the league, have gone over a thousand yards with four different teams. It's two, right? Brandon Marshall and Mr. Cooks. That's not an easy feat. We can discuss on another show why he's been with four teams, but it's hard to do. And 2020, in my opinion, was one of his best seasons yet. In the last 11 games, he caught 71 for 1,012 and six TDs. By my math, that's 92 per game and a half a TD, which is not too shabby. And now, in 2021, he's got an extra 75 targets vacated by Mr. Fuller. And his competition for those targets are Randall Cobb, Kiki Kute, and the third-round rookie, Nico, plus six other has-beens or wannabes. I mean, look. 
some of you right now are screaming at your computer asking, what about the quarterback issue in Houston? And that's a fair question. But let me remind you what you already know. The Texans are going to be trailing most of the time, right? They're going to be throwing a lot. I don't care if it's Tyrod that's slinging the rock. Brandon can pay ninth-round dividends with Tyrod slinging it. That's my opinion. Finally, on the three sites where I've drafted teams this year, his ADP's 8.5 to 9.3. A month ago, it was later. Some drafts, I'm seeing him still go in the tent. That's absolute cray-cray, as my kids might say. (laughs) (laughs) Let's consider consider the other guys in the ninth. Let's use the ninth for comparison purposes. Antonio Brown, he's clearly the number three. A much better team offensively, sure. Gallup, ditto, clear number three. Again, great offensive team compared to Houston. Will Fuller, most depth charts have him as the number two down there, but with the talented rookie down there, Waddle, some think Fuller might slip to three. I'm not so sure. But to be honest, I got two sources that I use because I'm not a number cruncher, man. I don't wear a pocket protector with 16 pins. I don't like that. So uh, I rather pay guys that are good at it and love doing it. Uh, one of my guys already has Fuller at number two. I mean, uh, uh, number three behind water. Then we have Hollywood Brown. Again, I think he's a good value because he never was the number one, right? With Bateman, I think that benefits Hollywood being the number two now. Uh, and then you got Mike Williams. Uh, he's clearly the number two behind Allen in San Diego. So, in summary, Cooks is a clear number one on a bad team. Being drafted in the range of a couple of number threes and three number twos, if you put Fuller there, give me all the shares of a number one. I'll take them all day long, and I think it's value. And I know some listeners out there are going, man, using the number one wide receiver over a two or a three, that might be donkey draft strategy. I don't care. I've been called worse. That's where I'm at. I love it. What a great breakdown. And, I, you know, I, I feel the same way about this player. I was looking at the numbers, and I – I couldn't get to it as eloquently as you did, Jay, but that's a, that's a great breakdown. I, You know, we live here in Louisville, Kentucky, right up the road of Cincinnati. We've got a lot of football experts up there that are Bengal fans. I have uh, – I've been looking at the uh, Bengal draft and, and trying to figure out who the heir apparent is to Mixon. Um, I don't necessarily target him in drafts. I – I look at his durability issues, and I also look at uh, the fact that you pointed out Houston's going to be trailing the game. So is Cincinnati. So they're going to have to get the ball to to some pass-catching back. Brings my eyes to Chris Evans, who, when he was at Michigan, when he first got there as a scat back, and people referred to him as that, I looked at his numbers. Five foot eleven and two hundred and twenty pounds. That's plenty. That's plenty of weight behind the scat back. Uh, what do you know about this player? And is he a, a is he the next version of Gio Bernard? I don't think he's the same player. Although they did give him the same jersey, which will confuse a lot of casual fans, perhaps, as they go into the twenty twenty one season. But um, Chris Evans, 
Samaji P. Ryan are the backs. Uh, as Balky uh, will, will say that I often ask, who you want to be in business with as a handcuff or a number two back with a defined role for the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, another great question, uh, Farrell. Um, I think currently the football guys, uh, both in their best ball tournament and the football guys championship, I think they have it right. Uh, Samaje's going around or so earlier than Evans. Um, right now, though, it's early, of course. Um, you know, last year, 40 running backs had at least one 100-yard game. And did you know 17 of those were non-starters at the beginning of the season? That's almost half. Wow. So for me, knowing that, along with Mixon's injury history, like you mentioned, I'm not. You're not drafting a lot of Mixon, nor am I. Um, I absolutely love uh, this kid, P. Ryan, because you can get him at bargain basement prices right now, and. Um, who knows, but I expect if the Chris Evans hype train continues to pick up speed when they open camp, which it does, right, with social media, I mean, we might see Samaji's price. You know, you ever see the the chair on the curb with a paper plate, free sign on it? We might get Samaji for free here <laughs> in uh, six or eight weeks. And ser- I'm serious. It's it's crazy. Did you know this? I don't. I don't know how many people. Well, this show savvy listeners probably already know this, but if they don't know it, they should nibble on this little morsel for a draft or three. But P Ryan averaged four point eight yards per carry last yes. year. That, yes. That's more than a yard over Mixon. More than a yard. Mixon was at three point six. Um. So I. I do like Evans, but I'm curious. I, I think he's a year or two away. That's my opinion. I think they brought Samaji in and they paid him. And um, if you don't believe me, how about this? Uh, how about Mr. Abib, the back-to-back football guy's championship? Yeah, the guy who cashed 750 large the last two years. I heard him on a pod a couple weeks ago. And at the very end, they asked him for a sleeper. And he said, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you a bonus. But the first one he mentioned was, yes, Samaji P. Ryan. He's drafting him every time he can get him. So trust him, not me. I'm just a hack. I, I, like, that. I like that guy, though, Jay. And, and ask him to join us for lunch, too. You know, we'll get a bigger table. That would be it. Yeah, okay. Okay. You know, I got, relatives, I got relatives down in Bowling Green, so I need to get out there. Nobody's gonna hold that against you. You come on in here. We'll make sure you get down there. <laughs> okay, I'll see Jay you Hart. first, and then I'll. Jay Harding, the right, football the... guys, uh, league champion, uh, joining us tonight, drafting and pros versus Joe's next month. Um, just as it uh, to kind of put a cap on our conversation about the Bengals backup running backs, Chris Evans going as the running back seventy nine at eighteen eleven. Um, and, and obviously Piran going uh, before that, he's in the 15th round of running back 64. So you could technically get both of them. Um, might not be the worst idea in the world, even if you don't have Mixon. Um, you, you heard the stat from Jay about all those running backs that finished 
um, in the top uh, uh, top echelon last year that 17 of them weren't even starters last year. Something to keep in mind, too, as we move forward into drafting season. Let's talk about Eagles tight ends here, Jay. Are you of the belief, uh, number one, that Zach Ertz will not be uh, in Philadelphia for week one on the Eagles? And if that is the case, how much of a value do you think that that's made Dallas Goddard uh, in draft so far this season? Goddard currently has an ADP of uh, tight end seven at the 605. Jay, talk a little bit about Ertz and Goddard. Yeah, so I am in that camp. I mean, uh, of course, I thought it would have been done by now, too. So, heck, who knows? But I do think he'll be gone, uh, ultimately. And before we talk about Goddard, I'm interested, especially in the FFPC format, tight end premium, and where Ertz is going to land because, yeah, he was horrendous last year, but we're going to give a pass on 2020. He's still only 30. He's arguably has some of the best pure pass-catching hands for a tight end in the league. I'm really anxious to see where he lands. I'm hearing most recently the Panthers, Titans, and Colts are interested. But personally, you know, a month or so ago I read something about how Buffalo was kicking it around or even Arizona. How juicy would that be, uh, Ertz going to Buffalo or Arizona? Uh, those offenses, that would be uh, pretty sweet, I think. But um, as far as Goder goes, um, yeah, he's tied in seven last five days. And, again, another shout-out to uh, Fantasy Mojo. What an incredible job Darren does. I'll just say this. This is a commission-free plug, folks. If you're playing any amount of uh, fantasy on the FFPC platform and you don't subscribe to Fantasy Mojo, you're doing it wrong, period. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's inexpensive. It's got all the data to help you. So, That's um, brilliant. I think, That's brilliant. I think um, where he's being drafted, honestly, is right about where he belongs. And so your question is, you know, is there much of a value for Goder if he's being traded? I'd say it's negligible for me right now. He's going about where I think he should. Um, he could creep up when camp's open if Hurts is showing improvement like most anticipating. I think I think he's about right. You know, with the, with the Mojo's activity of, of following the draft and giving us all this good data, this the, the question then that I'm going to ask has some legitimacy. Because just as a pure out-of-the-blue question, it really doesn't. But So we've got some ADP data, and I want to give you two players. One I'm drafted, one I have drafted uh, in the early drafts, in the football guys' drafts, and, I, and I'm very happy about that. Uh, ADP of 10-4. Elijah Moore, although things have happened with the Jets that, that might make me think that I wish I didn't have him as often as I do. And a player that I don't have at all, but who goes in the early part of the sixth round at 6-2, Odell Beckham. 10-4 for Moore, 6-2 for Beckham. Jay, which one is a better value? Farrell, that's an outstanding question. All these questions are <laughs> um, good. I'm here to tell you, I like both of those players right now at their price point. It is fascinating, though, to me how fast Elijah Moore's ADP has risen. My first share of him in early May was at 15-4. Yeah. Now, 
I primarily only draft best ball till July. Um, and now he's at 10-4, so it seems a little steep based on where we were getting him earlier. Um, but if the reports are correct, he's probably going to provide value there at, uh, in the 10th round. Um, what? Let me ask you this, Pharaoh. When you first read or heard about Elijah Moore's numbers that, that Ole Miss, you know, were comparable or even better than A.J. Brown and Metcalf. What did you think when you heard that or read that? You know, I thought it was a natural progression of the fact that they are creating wide receivers at my old school. I uh, I went to college at Ole Miss, and the, uh, the ball is always flying down there, and it's been that way. I, there's a great thing about Ole Miss football. A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, and they're posing in the picture shirtless, uh, these ripping muscles of these fabulous athletes, and it says Ole Miss has these two guys lost to Alabama, sixty-two to three, and that's kind of the way it is. Uh, but in in Moore's case, uh, when we started with the uh, thirty-five dollar leagues uh, back in February in the FFPC, or or the uh, the best balls early on, I think the twenty-third round. I knew someone was going to take him, and when the Jets took him, I said, well, I just don't know. What does that mean? I'm going to try to get on board with it. There could have been worse. There could have been a lot better. Um, so we're still to see. And, and you know, there's, so Keelan Cole is a player that interests me, as well as Jamison Crowder. And there's some talent up there. There's also a tight end that if he doesn't do it this year, he'll never do it. So, so I don't know. Um, Let me tell you what I thought. I didn't go to Ole Miss, though, but when I heard and read reports of this cat that uh, he he, uh, performed in some instances, broke records of those other guys, I thought of what my old man taught me. If it sounds too good to be true, son, it's most likely not true. That's what I thought. (laughs) Those two two guys are good, right? But I do like more what I've seen of him. I mean, he's battling Davis, Crowder, Mims. Uh, you mentioned Cole as well for targets. Also, we got a rookie QB under center. Um, so those things do give me pause. Um, I'm still drafting Elijah. I like him. I probably got, you know, six or eight shares across my platforms. Um, so I probably gave my answer without even talking about ODB, but I, I still like ODB in an early six. But am I mistaken, uh, Eric and Farrell? But it seems like his OD, his ADP has been right here for the last couple of years in the early six. Is that right? You know, and we're all it, hoping, it's hard for me to – We're all hoping for him to emerge like his early seasons. But we're still waiting. Yeah, I mean – it, it, it's um, it, it's I, I, it's hard for me to remember back that far. I, I can't really disagree with that. Um, you know, memory gets a little fuzzy when I am in twenty twenty one thinking about where he was drafted in seventeen and eighteen. But, but I, I gotcha. think that um, I, I, I certainly think you make a good point there. Uh, no question. Um, Jay, you've uh, just moving on here, just real quick here. You you've drafted a ton of football guys teams. You drafted a ton of basketball teams. Um, you see what the other 11 drafters are doing in these leagues. Now, whether it's a closed 12-team league, whether you're trying to win $500,000, 
you know what, what you're trying to do there. What's a common mistake that you continue to see your opponents make in drafts that really either eliminates them before the season even starts or hamstrings them for the duration of the season? Yeah, thanks for the uh, gimme. You finally gave me a gimme, uh, Eric. appreciate that. You know, I don't know if you guys play golf, but I like gimmies once in a while. Um, uh, I don't think I'm alone. I don't think I'm alone amongst the more serious players on the platform, but for the life of me, I don't understand, especially in the massive season-long tournaments, drafters uh, taking multiple defenses and or kickers, especially in early spring. And they do it in August and September. It just blows my mind. You can always get a a suitable backup on the wire for a buck, two, three bucks. I, I don't get that. You got to tell me what I'm missing. I love that. Well, I tell you what won't be missing is having your names amongst the 40-ish of those that will compete in this year's exclusive and legendary tournament, the Pros versus Joes. Uh, it's it's a format. We're playing the slim format this year, I understand. And, and, you know, how does your strategy change for that? Has it been a format that you have in, endorsed so far um, in your FFPC drafting? And, and you know, what are you uh, – how are you going to beat all the rest of these guys, which uh, just like you, Jay, uh, have a little swagger of their game? And, uh, you know, you're, you're amongst your elements. So uh, how are you going to put them all down? Yeah, it's interesting, uh, Farrell. Uh, I hadn't done any of this uh, slim format uh, before this year, um, but uh, one of your competitors, uh, uh, they have a big uh, best ball uh, tournament, and um, I'm just wrapping up, I think, my 17th draft over there in that tournament, which is 18 rounds, no kickers, no defenses, so... Uh, I also started drafting on the FFE platform after I got selected for uh, the pros versus Joes to kind of hone my skills and kind of see uh, what's what's kicking. But the, doing those two things are, are starting to help me formulate my process for the pros versus Joes. And uh, um, I don't have it completely nailed down, but uh, quickly, I think if I get a top-tier quarterback – I'm probably going to roll the dice and only go with two quarterbacks. And I might do the same if I got a top-tier tight end, although with the tight end premium, that might be risky. But um, I'm hoping to really load up on uh, wide receivers, Um, you know, eight, nine, or ten maybe wide receivers is what I'm thinking. I don't know. That might be crazy. But kind of early on, that's where I'm going in the pros versus Joes, of course. My draft slot is critical in helping determine that. Um, the competition is obviously stiff. What an honor to compete against the industry's best, whether it be a pro or a Joe. So I'm really thankful for the opportunity. Well, you're you're very welcome, obviously, Jay. It's it's you know total luck of the draw, and uh, your name was selected this year. So hopefully, you can turn that into a free 2022 FFPC main event team. No question. Let's get to, I think we got time. I'm going to squeeze in one email here. Um, this is from Dan, uh, Don, uh, not Dan, Don in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Do the recent positive reports on Gerald Everett 
have you reconsidering DK Metcalf and or Tyler Lockett at their current ADPs? Thanks, Jay. That is Don in Philly. And just to let you know here, uh, as we look at the football guys ADP, Tyler Lockett, wide receiver 24 at the 509. DK Metcalf, wide receiver 8 at the 302. How much does Gerald Edwards' positive reports uh, that we're hearing from the beat writers, Jay, affect how you would draft Lockett and Metcalf at those spots? Well, uh, uh, thanks for the question, Don. I don't know if he knows, but I'm in uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, originally from Oklahoma. Um, so I'm close. I'm in Seahawk country out here, which is a bit nauseating. But um, in <laughs> fantasy, it doesn't matter, right? So uh, um, uh, I really like Lockett as his ADP, probably more than Metcalf, although I like DK. Um, I, the, the the reports on um, their tight end usage do nothing to me. Seriously, they just haven't shown to use their tight ends consistently enough. Now, Everett might be better than who they've had recently, um, but no, it, it doesn't scare me off at those two ADPs. Um, real quick, um, Farrell has one last question for you, uh, Jay, before we get to that. Uh, people are one. We know you're you're in Oregon. Are you originally from Oregon? Where are your roots? No, I grew up in uh, Oklahoma City. So uh, I was born in Plattsburgh, New York. My parents were both Air Force, but Oklahoma was home. I got tricked into management in the early '90s. Came out here with a big insurance firm, and uh, uh, after I did that for ten or years or so, I moved to Arizona. But uh, after the divorce. All three of my sons were out here in Portland, and uh, so that's why I'm here, my three sons. It's definitely not for um, politics or whatever. We shouldn't probably go there, but (laughs) um, anyway, it's a nice state. It's a nice state, but uh, it's pretty chaotic right now, And, and plus, there's no good barbecue here unless you come to my house. Oh, my God. Well, you know, I can picture you, uh, I can picture you pondering fantasy football and cruising down Meridian there in Oklahoma City, uh, you know, and, and oh, making yeah. yourself quiet at home. Uh, I know Oklahoma City very, very well. And I, I think I know uh, that I am going to agree with you on the answers to this question. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. And I, I we ask this of everyone, and, and I, I want you to go hard on the guy that you really, really don't like because I, I think that you've got some real reasons, not just you, you, you drafted him and you expected more and he didn't deliver. That, that kind of thing is your fault. I want to know the player that you really, really don't like because you know that he's not a player that's going to help you. And then you've already given us a great look at sleepers. Do you have one more in that uh, sleeping bag of yours? All right, Farrell, I'm going to disappoint you here um, on the on the first one because it's not my fault, though, Farrell. I, I should have looked somewhere else. But, uh, I mean, look, I'm not taking Aaron Rodgers. Why? I have no clue if he's going to play. But he appears to me to be so arrogant he might take the year off. I don't know. And his his ADP is tantalizing. Eleventh round? Are you kidding me? I got no shares. Thirty five drafts, zero. Um, so sorry to disappoint you there. Uh, I can maybe email you someone else later, but uh, that's what I got for you. 
So I'm about to risk ever being invited back on this show with my sleeper. But look, I'm a straight shooter. If I'm anything, I'm a straight shooter. I got to tell it like it is. So here we go. It wouldn't shock me in the least, seriously, to see John Brown in Vegas lead all Raider wide receivers in fantasy scoring. It's not obviously because he set the world on fire during his seven or eight years in the league. It's that I'm not so impressed with his battery mates, Ruggs, Edwards, Renfro. I could be wrong on Ruggs. I admit that, but it's a little early. But I just don't see Ruggs being great as a wide receiver. That's my opinion. And yet he's going six full rounds ahead of John Brown. And Edwards is going a full round ahead of Brown. That's lunacy, lunacy. Go ahead, people. Get you some almost free John Brown in the 18th and thank me later. <laughs> John, John Brown going in the Football Guys Players Championship at the 17-11 wide receiver 77. Uh, that is right ahead of the new New York, uh, the new New York Jet, Keelan Cole, and the still currently unsigned Amari Rogers. Packers uh, having some issues with the A. Rogers <laughs> players on their roster right now, but John Brown certainly not a bad pick at all in the 17th round, especially when you get a five-time Football Guys League champ and a pros versus Joe's Trafter telling you uh, to get, uh, pick up as much shares as you can in the 17th round. That makes a lot of sense for me. I will be doing that in my drafts. We will all follow you, Jay, not only on Twitter at You Don't Win on D-Day, but we will be following your draft closely in the Pros vs. Joe's competition when we broadcast it live here next month. I cannot thank you enough for hopping aboard and dropping some science on us tonight. I know you probably got to get back to some drafts right now. Thanks so much, dude. We will talk to you again soon, and uh, can't wait. Uh, hopefully we get to talk to you again during your Pros vs. Joe's draft. Hey, I hope so, guys. Really, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. One more thing, though. I can't believe that no one ping in and ask for a Beeb second late round sleeper. I'm glad they didn't because I'm not sharing it. Later. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there is your mic drop moment tonight, ladies and gentlemen, from Jay Harding. Good stuff. Yeah, it, it's funny because we've had a Beeb we had a Beeb Agbatoba on this show the week, but I think it was the week before he won his first Football Guys Players Championship, and then um, we had him on or I had him on, I beg your pardon, on the road of his high stakes lowdown after he won his second one. So it was pretty crazy that in the, in the time span of when he has been on podcast, he was on a podcast and then he won two separate six figure grand prize before he did another podcast. fairly has got his own podcast now first and 15, which you can check out on YouTube, which is very, very interesting. And, and certainly I would never tell people to um, listen to somebody, some other podcast in lieu of this one, where you're probably going to get some pretty good advice and analysis on that podcast as well. We're going to drop a little bit more advice and analysis here um, as we, we close up the show. So, Farrell, I, I think we need to talk about Jay here a little bit. Um, this is a guy oh, yeah. after your own heart, I, I think. Um, this is a guy that I know everybody in the chat room loved listening to him, uh, loved hearing from him, loved hearing his analysis. I was captivated. Um, very matter-of-fact stuff, not only on Brandon Cooks, but Austin Eckler as well tonight. Well, you get that straight out of Oklahoma. And, you know, he talked twice about his divorce. I think he probably refers to his girlfriends as broads and dames, you know. I just (laughs) – he's definitely a true throwback here. I I enjoyed what he said about Eckler, and I will add to that. Uh, This is a new offense. It may take Herbert a little time to get completely comfortable in it, but he'll always be comfortable with Eckler, and Eckler will be there for him going through that process. And last year we talked about – 
Uh, I think it was week six when Mixon was not uh, playing. I My memory fails me, but if that was what it was. And somebody asked, should you start Bernard? And we actually said, no, maybe you should start uh, uh, Samaj Perine. So, you know, we were we were there with that player last year, and I, I very much agree with him. And, and the Ruggs and Brown situation, uh, certainly, if, if you draft Ruggs, you know, you might say, well, this was the number one wide receiver uh, taken in last year's draft, and, and you would be right about that. But you're also lining up with the Raiders' ability to draft in the first round, which has not been significant in the last few years. So I think the I, I think the commentary there about old Smoke Brown, he might have a little smoke still left in the stack. So it's just very good analysis by Jay. He's right on top of it, and it's not even July. And extraordinarily cheap smoke, too. This is the cheapest smoke that you can yep. get right now, and, and, and certainly that makes it a lot more palatable smoke. Um, let's get to one email here. I know we're up against it. Um, Gary in Saginaw, Michigan writes, everything I read about the Cowboys all seems to be about CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, but why is no one talking about Michael Gallup in such a high-powered offense? Thank you, Gary in Saginaw, Michigan, for that email. And he's right, Farrell. I mean, you look at the, the ADP, CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver 11 at the 308. Amari Cooper, wide receiver 14 right now at the 404. Then you got to go all the way down to wide receiver 43 for Michael Gallup at the 909. That's Marquise Brown, Michael Pittman, Mike Williams territory. Wow, a lot of M's uh, there. But I mean, you know, I know he's the third option, but Dak Prescott's back. I mean, it looks like the Cowboys might start um, attacking through the air again this year and, and certainly Gallup in the ninth round. Certainly, maybe we should be paying more attention to that, right? Look at last year what he put together with that mix of quarterbacks. Now, he can be very successful in this offense and catch 60 balls and five touchdowns and do his job very well. But if you have Cooper and if you have Lamb or or have Lamb, because I doubt if you'll have them both, but if you have either of those receivers, not only does this player have standalone value, but it, it's, it's a very, very uh, low-cost handcuff uh, for those other two receivers because you would expect his uh, participation to – increase uh, should uh, either of those go on the shelf for any amount of time and and so yeah there's there's no reason not to draft this player there i think you said he's around Pittman. i like Pittman a little better uh, i like him better than hollywood brown because uh you know he had a better year than hollywood brown last year the main event for the kentucky fantasy football state championship kicking off july 15th via the two-hour and six-hour slow drafts, plenty of space available in that draft if you want to get your main event drafting uh, started a little bit early with Kentucky. Farrell, certainly uh, plenty of action there. A lot of space open uh, currently in, in Louisville, I know. How is Cincinnati? Because um, I know that always seems to fill up uh, fairly quickly. It does, and we're past 50% capacity right now with, um, with Cincinnati, and we'll have 96 teams there. And uh, we'll be missing a few guys. There'll be some turnover because a lot of guys, we, we moved to Friday, a Friday start in Louisville. So uh, a lot of guys are saying, no, I'm just going to catch you in Louisville and I'm going to draft all three days. You being one of them, Balky. But Cincinnati is open. It's fun. We have a great time there. It's one day of drafting, August 15th. Uh, and, and the group that comes down usually hangs in there for most of the day for drafting opportunities in one day. It's fun. We'd love to have you. Hard Rock Casino. Uh, downtown Cincinnati, August 15th. Uh, yeah, and I'm just looking at some of those Kentucky main event leagues in Cincinnati. Already on red alert, four left in the Bobcat division, four left in the Boomer division. As always, if you have any questions about the KFFSC, call Farrell, 
four zero. Uh, beg your pardon, five zero two four seven one seventy two eighty one. Um, and uh, also at, uh, at KFFSC on Twitter, KFFSC.com is your go-to for all that. Fairly, you're always my go-to for fantasy advice. Certainly appreciate you hanging out with me again on this Friday night. And we will talk to you again in July, man. Thanks again. Good deal, buddy. See you then. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, you follow on Twitter at J. Farrell Elliott. All right, that is going to complete tonight's episode. Want to thank Jay Harding, Farrell Elliott, the Fantasy Football Players Championship, Rob Rice, and of course, each and every one of you, as I stated to Farrell. We will be back live at 10, 9 Central next Friday. Great guest, probably going to be somebody in pros versus Joe's. And uh, we'll get their insight into that competition as well as what they're doing in the main event and Football Guys Players Championship drafts right now as well. I want to remind you, if you have not jumped into the inaugural FFPC Best Ball Tourney, certainly do that now. Only $125 to get in, and it is a $100,000 grand prize, half-million-dollar prize pool there as well. Dynasty Startup still going strong. A lot of them popping off tomorrow, some with only a few spots left. So make sure you're getting involved in that year-round fantasy football enjoyment. Who is going to say no to that? The uh, FFPC uh, Football Guys Players Championship also heating up. We got uh, six spots left in that midnight draft coming up in about an hour here. So hopefully myself, Hudson Fern Reeve, will see you in there. I can't wait to uh, get that one going. And can't wait to talk to you guys again next week. Join the KFFSE. Join the FFPC at myffpc.com. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by myffpc.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. want to let everybody know too i was at game one of the eastern conference finals between the milwaukee bucks and atlanta hawks where the hawks shocked the bucks uh and uh, took the early lead there and home court advantage uh trying to get to the nba finals i did not go to the game tonight because i wanted to do this show with jay with farrell with all of you listening and as a result the bucks won by like 30 something moral of the story bulky will not be attending any more bucks games uh for the foreseeable future thanks for listening everybody we'll talk to you again on friday